everybody, and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. This is our first episode as part of the Ghost of E3. Hello, Ghost of E3. How's it going today? Oh, sorry, that's right. Jeff Keeley killed you. You can't speak. Um, but joining me, who is very much here and ready to podcast, is Crofton Steers. How's it going, Crofton? It's going well, Ryan. Uh, how goes it with yourself today? Uh, getting over a cold, but feeling, feeling fine, I guess. You sound pretty good. I once did a podcast with you when you had a, a, a really bad cold. You couldn't even make out your voice practically. I think we talked about Elden Ring, but, uh, you sound much better this time. That's good. Yeah, no, I remember that episode. I remember that episode. Like it was yesterday. Um, Here's the thing. I'm going to kick things off with a little bit of this. Book Watch 2023. Oh, not books. Uh, I have our first negative update. Uh, I returned Mistborn the Final Empire to the library after renewing it three times and uh, was not able to finish it. Um, man. You gave it the old college try, Ryan. You could say that. You could say that. Nobody, nobody can begrudge you that. Yeah. Uh, and if you own that book, you wouldn't have finished it either. Oh, definitely not. Look, here's the thing. Um, I marked uh, in my little uh, Dungeons and Diapers uh, note file where I left off, so I could easily go back to the library in a couple months. Look, I'm I'm going to be completely honest. I think the reason I've I've been struggling to find um not find time, but stop doing what I'm doing to read is because of Tears of the Kingdom. It's literally the only thing I've been doing in my free time outside of uh, stopping to play Tears of the Kingdom to, to play to record podcasts. So uh, it's been busy. I I, I, uh, I hear that. I'd like to say it was busy for me too, Ryan, but honestly, it has not been busy lately to a point where I, uh, you know, um, I did a change at work a while back and it's really slowed things down and i've often had the excuse ryan that i don't have enough time to do something i can't, i'd like to clean the basement but i don't have enough time i'd like to fix this thing in my house but i don't have enough time but i recognize that that's no longer an accurate excuse i do have the time so i started making a list of all the things that i want to do and I, that's not like clean the basement or whatever it's like actual things and so I am I am going to try to start doing some of this stuff and I'm going to talk about it on the show in the same way that you talked about the books to keep you honest in the same way that Bo on our old podcast good bad or bullshit talked about quitting smoking and then never did it but tried to try to use the communal peer press pressure of the millions and millions of <laughs> listeners to to get him to uh, to get there, so uh, the first thing I decided because there's so many things I want to do like fun things. Sometimes you know, uh, I, I was like the, the what I've been putting off and kicking around, and I mentioned it last time on the podcast when you bigfooted my jokes was uh, stand up comedy, right? Okay. So I want I want to try stand up comedy. Um, and so I'm I'm putting this out there that I'm I'm starting the process of like figuring stuff out. I've got a couple of like write-ups uh, that I feel that I could 
maybe deliver like the memorization part i just don't get like all these stand-up comic comics i guess have just done their bit so many times that they've just internalized them but like for me without it in front of me i'm like I, I don't know like do i go up with paper or or read from my phone i'll probably can't do that you know so i'm trying to i'm trying to get prepped but also i'm trying to get prepped on how to do it like how to actually do it um in the city that I live in, because I always assumed Ryan that it was easy, like karaoke. But what I mean is you go to a karaoke night, you say, Hey, I'd like to do karaoke. And then you do it. Right. Like that's how I thought it worked. I didn't realize that there would be a bunch of people that would want to do the karaoke and that there wouldn't be enough spots say to do karaoke. So in the case of stand-up, there's a bunch of masochists out there that clearly want to do stand-up or get time uh, on the, on stage. And so they're calling out spots. So these open mic nights like that I imagine that existed where you could just go and be like, okay, I'm going to go up. They don't really exist in the way that I thought they did. They require work and you can't just go one time and do an open mic. You have to like get to know people, go to a couple, listen, talk to a few people, then say, Oh, maybe I could get on at one point um, and call your spots. And there's some nights that are more amenable to others. So it's like work to uh to, to even try it and you know like much less decide i want to do it on the regular so i i but i've used that as excuses long enough like being like oh i can't do it for this and that reason i got kids i can't go out on a tuesday night to a open mic thing to listen to other people and try to make connections so that i can go back a month from tuesday and maybe get a shot at doing it but i've decided I'm going to start, going to start somewhere. I'm inching towards it. So I will, you know, I don't know if we need a bumper for this or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to sit down anymore. I'm going to stand up and uh, I'm going to figure out how to do that in the, the next little while. And I'll keep listeners informed of where, where Crofton's stand-up journey takes him. All right. Uh, well, considering this is your watch i guess I, I i'll do the bumper so we'll try this out i'll, I'll mark it here so i know to, to cut this out here so it should be Wait, like, what are you calling it i don't know uh stand so you're up. about to record a, bu a bumper no, you don't even know what it's called oh i was gonna spitball i'm not it's not like we're gonna, gonna take the first one but like you could do stand up watch 2023 um no no so oh, good always a critic <laughs> you're gonna do great um <laughs> <laughs> okay well yeah what do we do uh, uh, uh joke watch joke watch okay are you gonna like do some so if we're doing joke watch i think you have to commit to testing some of your material on the show right see i don't think that that's a good idea and i'll tell you why mm. uh there's with no live audience and just you reacting true it's it's just gonna kill my it's gonna kill my confidence um like I, you know, because because that's the thing about about stand up bits as well, is that that you know people are like, oh, it's jokes, right? And yes, like there are jokes, but often it's stories that become funnier as they go as well. And so it's it's challenging putting it together. I've been listening to this podcast by Mike Berbiglia called Working It Out, and 
and he's a stand-up comic and he meets with other stand-up comics and they they sort of he's like i got an idea this is what it is they say they got an idea and they're working it out and it's really done wonders for my confidence because when listening to it i'm like oh man these are like like these are celebrated comedians but when they're coming out with the raw thing and they're explaining it to the other so this is my idea it, it i'm like that's either not funny or like it's going to take a lot of work to get there or they're working it working it out as the show title uh infers and so i just think that for me it's like i've got to i've got to really get up and start start doing it and i have some friends in real life here in ottawa that i was like that also kind of want to do it. And I was going to be sit down with them and spitball jokes, but I recognize that our, our senses of humor, I think they're very funny, but our senses of humor have deviated. They may not find my jokes funny, or they may not find my stories funny. And if they don't, then that's going to dramatically affect my confidence and maybe even prohibit me from going up. But I do think that my stuff will be funny enough to a general audience or some people, it will work for some people. So I feel like I owe it to myself to go up. But part of that is like for that first time, I don't think I can test it in a vacuum like the podcast. What I can commit to do though, is like if I go up and I do it and it goes over well and I start having confidence, I can go in and be like, okay, these were some of my bits. This is what I did or whatever. Okay. See, see, see how it goes. What do you think? All right, that sounds fun. No, and I think that makes sense. I mean, uh, I could, I could make fun, but uh, I think that makes perfect sense. Because you'll be in a spot like, let's face it, stand up is a mindset of like you get there, people are sitting down, they're primed to laugh. They're they're hopefully yeah. going to be. Uh, but if you, Ryan, are my only live audience, and I'm talking to you, well, then you have an obligation to laugh and then that makes it less funny for you right off. So even if I nail a great bit of material that you would be like, wow, that's Netflix special good, you know, like that is amazing craft. And it's still like, I watch Netflix specials of professional comedians that I find hilarious, but I am not laughing while I'm folding laundry out loud. Most of the time, sometimes I'll laugh, but for the most part, you know, like I'm not in the audience. I'm not, you know, I'm folding laundry and I'm like, I got to smile or whatever. If you're smiling on this podcast, I'm not going to know it, you know? So it's just going to be like me talking in silence or you doing a forced laugh and then me being like, Oh God. <clears throat> and then, then I won't go up. Okay. Well, in that case, we will do uh, joke watch 2023. I think that is totally fine. Uh, and if we come up with something better, we can do it better. You know, so, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll count you down, and then you do it. All right. One, two, three. Joke Watch 2023. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's perfect. Uh, it kind of rem <laughs> reminded me of this. Skeptical face. But, uh, yeah, very good. Um. Okay, perfect. So, for all of you listeners who've never listened to a Dungeons and Diapers before, wondering who the hell are these two yahoos and what are they talking about? I just want to introduce the show. So, uh, yeah, Ryan and I, we talk about uh, kid stuff and uh, parent stuff and also the stuff that we're doing. We divide that into two sections. We got the dungeons uh, where we talk about sort of the geeky stuff that we enjoy. And then we got the diapers where we get right into now a topic of the week, which was a new thing. Like this is like our, our third topic. So Ryan, it's my topic this week. Do you want to know what we're playing for? Uh, are we skipping right to the diapers? No, I just want to let you know and oh, the right, listeners right. know. So I have the entire diapers section to prep is what you're saying. 
well, the dungeon section to prep for the diaper section. That's you're, not true. you're confused. You're confusing the listeners already. You're confusing me. Do- no, you you told me what the the, the joke was. Uh, you know, the joke is is ruined because you explained the topic. So yes, before we move into the dungeons, uh, great show for you tonight, folks. Great show. Stick around. Uh, the bar is open till uh, what time is it? At ten o'clock. Grab your drinks, listen to the shows. I don't know. Bad beer bars. Well, we got to close early. You know, it's a it's a it's a Thursday night. This place sucks. You know, everyone's got to go back to work now. They got to go back to the office. So, uh, and they got to beat the convoy. So, no. Um. So I'm a I'm a heckler, Ryan. Yes, that's uh, you're doing great. Look, I just work here. Yeah. The the funny people are going to be coming up soon. Just give me a minute. So, um, we got the dungeons. Get him off the stage. This is great. So uh, we got the dungeons coming up, but yes, in the diapers, we will have our second topic episode and uh, we might've hinted we'd be doing screen time. Uh, but honestly, we pushed that out because we really need your feedback on that one because we want some some other input. So tonight, Crofton's going to be taking over. He's going to be taking on the stage in the diaper section, talking about uh, sleep. And no, not the sleep you get, but maybe the sleep that your kids get and how- uh, Or don't. Or don't, yeah, very true. Some kids do not sleep, but I mean, all everybody sleep, family sleep. How 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 it works? How you're gonna get there? Uh, how are you gonna make that work? How's it working for me? How's it working for Ryan? We're gonna talk about your sleep and your kids and 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 how how to fit it in. Also, when you're constantly tempted by the dungeons, so like you know, I I. For me, when it comes to sleep, I'm making a compromise off it. Last night I went to bed at quarter past midnight because I was playing Zelda. Oof. Now, should I, should I have gone to bed before then? Yes. So did I make a compromise? Yes. You know, am I tired today? Also, yes. So, like, it's it's one of those things where you really have to sort of consider where where, where you're at and, and, you know, day by day. So I think there'll be some some good conversation to be had there, Ryan. Yeah. Yeah, of course. And uh, and as you hinted at, I'm sure there will be some crossover. Um, well, let's head into the dungeons. And uh, yeah, I, I, there will definitely be some crossover here because um, I went to the theaters by myself to see Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. I did a solo trip to the theaters. I was, you know, for the last month thinking to myself, like, am I going to go see Guardians in theaters? Am I going to go see Guardians? And sometimes when I don't go see a Marvel movie, I'll just like, quickly look up the plot and be like, all right, what am I missing here? What are the cameos? Like, what do I I need to know to keep on top of things before I see it two months later when it comes to Disney Plus? Although that backfired because I have not seen Quantumania yet. Um, But I know all the all the major beats. But um, with Guardians, I've been able to hold off. So I'm like, okay, I feel like with Guardians and it's separate enough from the overall universe, I can wait for it to be uh, available digitally. But across the Spider-Verse, I was thinking to myself, like, I really do want to see this one in theaters. I remember the first one being a spectacle to see uh, on the big screen with big sound and, and just, you know, witness that animation for the first time on a on a very, very large uh, theater screen. And here locally, we have a, a we have what I would consider a smaller theater in the sense that there is only one screen that plays like the ultra AVX, like the big experience, right? Like not IMAX, but like a step right below it. And uh, every week when a new movie comes out, the other movie shuffles off to the normal 3D slash regular screen. 
Uh, and I knew I wanted to see across the spider verse on the big screen. So I'm like, well, I said to Ashley, like, I'm either going to see it like tonight as in like Sunday night or Tuesday night. Like, cause I really would like to see it on the big screen. And, uh, it turns out I, I went Sunday night. Now I am not a person who stays up really late. Um, I, I very rarely do the, the quarter after 12 thing. And, and I hate going to the movies, uh, when a movie starts past seven o'clock, I can't do it. I know I'm an old man. It's just, I've never been able to do it. Even as a kid, it just was, uh, he closes the bar at 10 people. <laughs> yeah. That joke was not a joke. It's the truth. I mean, you would not enjoy my restaurant. Um, it, I think it stems from the fact that where, whenever I went to the movies, it was always a drive home when I was a kid, it was about a half hour drive to the theater where I, where I, where I grew up. So even though the theater here in town is like a two minute drive, but it just stems from the fact I've just never been able to leave a theater at like 11 o'clock and be like, well, that's, this is fine. You know, just, it never, it never worked for me. Um, So it meant I had to leave like while the kids were being put to bed and um, Caden and Abigail know of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse and they have an idea that there's a new spider-man movie coming out but they still haven't connected the dots on like release dates unless we like hammer it into them like you know with with super mario we watched enough trailers that like they knew it was coming out and they but they could never really pinpoint the date they only knew because they said i'm taking you to the theaters to see mario uh but with spider-man we kind of held off on it because like um it's a long movie it's two and a half hours uh it's uh, complex like it's it's more it, there's more to it than the first one i i mean you might not think it having not seen across the, the spider-verse but like into the spider-verse is like a very simple film in comparison even though it deals with multiple realities and alternate dimensions uh but you see if you've seen the trailer for across the spider-verse you know like there's a lot going on um so we opted to to just wait till it comes out digitally to watch it with the kids but Ashley and I have this like um, routine and this kind of, you know, ties into bedtime in that when one of us has to leave, because we always split bedtime. We're, we're It's both a- Ashley and I all the time putting the kids to bed because we have three kids and it's and two of them go to sleep at one point and the other one goes to sleep a little bit later in separate room. So it's it is always a two person job. Uh, but when one of us has to leave, it's usually Ashley that has to go, like whether she's running errands and stores clothes um, and she, Izzy's always the one wanting uh, her to put her to, to sleep. So, uh, we have this routine of like, okay, mommy has an appointment. So mommy's going to leave and daddy's going to put all three of you to bed. Uh, whether she has an errand or she needs to get out, run errands, then go to her parents to help them with something. And that usually, uh, it, you know, it's a white lie, but it's like one of those things that kind of like sets the stage for like, okay, you know, uh, mummy might be going out to visit grandma and grandpa, but like, she's got to leave at six, not eight 30, you know? So she's not out all night or has to run errands. Cause the grocery store closes at eight or Costco or whatever, whatever. So I use the appointment, uh, routine of like, Oh, daddy's got an appointment. He's got to go see doctor, uh, Dr. Parker, or, you know, uh, try not to be too on the nose, but, um, so I ended up leaving at six, went to the theaters, uh, saw the film all by myself. And I got to say, I really enjoyed it. Um, obviously, this, the film is doing amazing in terms of reviews and such. But I think the one thing I'll say is that it is, as I said, it's much more complex than the first one. So if you are planning to bring your kids, if if your kids really enjoyed the first one, 
and planning to bring your kids to the second one, just know that there's a lot more going on. Um, it's a bit of a slower start, I think, even though it is like a, a sequel, but uh, it it is very good. Like, it's a very good film. Uh, it's just, it's long, it's complex, and it is a part one to a two-part story, which I think everybody knew going in because they originally announced this as... Um, I don't know if they originally announced it as Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and Part 2, or if it was just, we're going to do two of these, and we don't have the titles yet. I, I can't remember how it worked out. Crofton, like, off the top of your head, do you remember if it was Across the Spider-Verse Part 1 and Part 2? Ryan, it was, um, uh, they, that, they changed the name of the sequel to Beyond the Spider-Verse, like, well after it was announced. And I remember when they announced it, Part 1 and Part 2, I was like, oh, just because... Into the Spider-Verse for me, Ryan, is a perfect movie. Like, I love that movie. It is so good. And I did not need a sequel to it. Um, and so that said, like, I do, I, do I trust Lord and Miller and all the creatives involved? Yes. However, I, it's scary. And especially when it's like, it says it's like over two hours for an animated movie is very quite long. I just thought that they might be drunk on their own Kool-Aid and, and and it might have been a little too too much. So I am glad to hear from you and others that it sounds like it's good because I'm planning on going tomorrow. In fact, Ryan, I went up while you were talking there to get my credit card to buy these tickets because I realized <laughs> I booked the babysitter, but I had not booked the tickets. And it was funny because in the time that I I, I, I was like, oh, I'm filling out this thing. Then I'm like, oh, I got to go up and get the – Ryan's still talking about it. He still hasn't told me what he thinks about the movie because you were like oh, – and then I got that this. And then Ashley was like – Norm, I told Caden, like, look, I'm going to the doctors. And I'm I, I'm like, okay, he's going to tell me any moment now if it's good or not. And, and, then, <laughs> and, then, I, and then I said this and I said that. And then she said – and I'm like, oh, my God, just tell me if the movie's good. And then finally – you said it. The movie was good. But then you started throwing in stuff like, oh, it's very complicated. It's too long. It's really good. It's really good. But it sucks, really. You know, so I, I that's why I, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, oh, don't get me wrong, Ryan. I'm going to see it either way. Look, pay with yeah. your credit card. Yes, I will. Click. Um, but uh, God, movies are expensive now. But whatever. Spider-Verse, I'll go. It's uh, it, it is totally worth seeing seeing it in theaters. Um, like I said, I here's the thing. I remember reading, you know, some rumblings, but before it came out about reviews, people saying like, "Oh man, uh, it's way better than the first one." And um, I personally way better. Yeah, well, it, I mean, better. I, I, you're right. That is a solid reaction. Like, not maybe not way, but but better than the first one. And I would say that, that you're right. The first one is a perfect film. And I wouldn't say that Across the Spider-Verse is better. I'd say it's like on par. Like it's Well, that's amazing. Exactly. Like honestly, if if somebody's like, hey, this you know, do you want to see a movie that's equally as good as Into the Spider-Verse? And I'd be like, is Spider-Man in it? They'd be like, yes. Then I would say yes. One thing, just as an aside. And it could be the marketing that they lean into. And I know that they have to do this because otherwise it would be too difficult to keep track of all the characters. 
but it feels like they've gone to great lengths to make their to be almost no Peter Parkers. Like like Peter Parker is essentially the main Spider-Man, and there's a zillion variants of him. But like instead, all the other Spider people in the trailers are always like Gwen Stacy, Miles Morales, Miguel O'Hara. It's like complete different people or different characters, not alternate Peter Parkers. Of which, you know, in the first movie, there were t- there was two Peter Parkers, right? There was the one from Miles's universe, and then there was Sad Sack Peter Parker. Actually, question just because I'm a huge fan of Sad Sack Peter Parker uh, and Jake Johnson's performance, and I get it that Gwen Stacy is going to play a much bigger role in this film. I, I can see it. I'm looking at the key art right now. It's she's she's got a you know she has a big role in it. My question to you is. Uh, like I get that he has a kid because that's shown in the trailers and stuff. Is he just a glorified cameo or is he in the movie a lot? The sad sack Peter Parker. Um, Oh man. Like I, I, like I don't know what, what see, I've been very sensitive about, about spoilers, but I think like he's in it. He's in it. Yeah. But, um, does he, I know play... I saw it in the trailer. He, he's in the trailer, but does he play a large role? Like, look, like I said, it's he's a complex the co-lead. Film. He's the co-lead essentially of the last movie. He is not he's the no... co-lead in this film. Right. Okay. Does yeah, that, no, does, which... is that, was that too much to like, to, to no, say no, no. Okay. I, I just, I, my, my feeling and you've done nothing to dissuade it. Is that he's, he's a glorified cameo. Like, he'll but be he's, in he's in bit. it and he's really good. And I think like they, um, they they don't ignore see this is the problem right they don't ignore anyone and there there seems to be some additional spider-men put into the film that are kind of like there as jokes and references and very much cameos yeah and and they run with that and i think that's where like repeat viewings of this film are going to be really fun because there's a lot more of those like layered references uh in this one you know when when they had like five universes to pull from and in the first film and that and one of those universes was kind of like a a mirror to Miles Morales's universe so technically i guess four uh they have hundreds on display in this one but like it could be a split frame of one of them you know right so yeah, yeah. that's when i say like it is complex if you're looking for those complexities if you're just watching the film and enjoying the adventures of Gwen Stacy, Miles Morales, and 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 yes, some new uh, Spider characters that haven't been featured before. There are a lot of new uh, Spider Spider characters. You know, like there are a lot of new ones. They get a lot more screen time than some of the previous Spider characters that were featured in in the first film. I'm in. Um, all right. Well, that sounds good. I'm glad we'll talk about it more once I've seen it. But yes, I'm glad to hear that it's it's a good. It's a good movie. And honestly, it's going to be like, like it, it has some drawing power, right? Because I also didn't go see Guardians. I hear I'm going to watch that. I didn't see Ant-Man, Quantumania. Well, I'm no, probably not going to go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny or The Flash, some of these other big movies that uh, Crofton might have gone to see once upon a time. But I am going to see this. And I'm doing it without children. Which I'm again, I think Gwen would be keen on this, especially with Gwen Stacy playing a bigger role in the film. Uh, so I, you know, I, I may go back and see it a second time with yeah. her. Who knows? You know, I thought about doing that. I thought about going, um, like when I got out of the film, I was like, okay, I could totally take Abby and Caden back to see this because I, 
I recognize the first film. We were talking about this pre-show a little bit. Like there's, there are deaths in the first film. Um, some of which that are, they're very clearly featured in the film. These two deaths in the first one. Uh, yeah. It's not like on the side, like it's like no. heavily foregrounded. Yeah. It's, it's this, there like, you know, uh, and, and they, and obviously there are funeral scenes and such. So like there's a, there is death in the first film. So that's something that you, um, you have to talk with your kids about if, if they've seen the film. Uh, and in which, you know, we did with our kids, but like, I wanted to see the second one. Cause like, sometimes you, you knew the sequel was going to be the fact that they split it into two, you knew it was going to be bigger and, um, more involved and more complex. Cause they, they already did the fish out of water, um, sort of, uh, story with the first one. Right. So they had to have a reason for all these characters to come back into uh the spotlight right from other universes and, and we got a hint of that at the at, in the post credit scene of the first one but like i so i wanted to see it first and then see what it was like and and i could totally it, like if there's time like i don't know like our summer for some reason is booked solid and it's not even summer yet the kids are still in school but i could see taking Caden and abby to see it you know um uh later on in the summer because like movies stick around these days for It'll be in theaters for a month, and and this is the thing, like, yeah. I just went to buy tickets for it for tomorrow, and mm-hmm. like, tra- I think Transformers was coming out, or some some other, like yeah, Beast about, Wars or something about them about them getting booted from the theaters. So I bet I I booked at seven tomorrow, and I got the only two tickets that were together that were not in the nose, like the the nosebleeds in the front rows that nobody buys. Like I got the only two and the movie came out like last week and it's already, and we're the day before and it's already so pretty much sold out um, for the seven o'clock showing. And so it's just, it, to me, this movie's going to have legs and, yeah. uh, and you know, I think with, with the Mario movie animations really having a moment right now. Um, and uh, I, I appreciate that, but I, I do I do have to say, and this is this is unfair to Spider Verse because it is um, just it was the first, and now it's the first kind of with the sequel. But I am I am done with multiverses right now, and this is the thing. Like uh, I just watched everywhere, uh, everything everywhere all at once. Uh, you know, Spider Man No Way Home. Uh, you know, whatever uh, a quantum mania or Loki or whatever the Kangs are um, the uh, you know, there's, there's uh, the flash is coming out. It's going to be all about multiverses. I'm just like, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'm done with this now. I just want a straight, simple story. And honestly, it was not the multiverse to me that made into the, Spider-Verse so interesting. It was Miles's journey into becoming the Spider-Man that he is. And yes, it took another Spider-Man to help mentor him and get there. And that, that, that part was, was interesting, but really it was about his personal character growth. And so I'm just like, I'm excited about this movie and I want to see it. And if any of the, the, the multiverse movies have gotten it right for me, it was into the spider verse and hopefully this one, but after this and after the beyond the spider verse verse, I I'm done, you know, like I don't need more of these. Uh, and I, I get that it's a way to really ham it in that fan service from movies long ago and say, Hey, look, everything's connected and all of that. And that's fine. 
you know, we had some good moments and some good pops, but I'm done now. I'm like, I want a clearer story because uh, these multiverse stories often like looking at No Way Home and others, are, are, they, they hold up on fan service, not on the actual airtightness of the plot sort of thing. So mm. anyway, that's my, that's my, uh, that, that's my, my old man yelling at cloud moment, but I, th- I think that uh, I think that I will very much like this particular movie. I think the fact that it uh, it is a multiverse uh, story surrounding Spider Man will probably um, yeah, for you. Spider- yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like Crofton, have you considered adding Spider Man to the thing? And I'm like, oh yeah, that instantly makes it better. I'm like, I think oh, I, I, look, I'm so I, I sick. You. I'm so sick of westerns. There's always westerns. A cowboy, this cowboy, that. What if Spider Man was one of the cowboys? I'm like, sign me up. Have you ever I'm thought in, about that? You know? Yeah. No, I'm, like, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on it, honestly, because I, I, um. With you saying I'm done with multiverses and saying you like the way Into the Spider-Verse does it, I would say that uh, across the Spider-Verse, even the title alone and the trailers hint that they are very much doing the opposite. Uh, yeah, they're leaning because it. Yes, uh, and I already know it. Like in the the in the Into the Spider-Verse, um, it's it's all these Spider-Men or and women are coming to Miles's world, but. Miles's world, while it's being transformed during the film, due to the effects of the multiverse kind of bleeding in, it it remains static in the sense that it's his world. Like it's it's there's a New York that it all takes place in, and these characters are coming being yanked into this New York. So there's this stability there. Yeah. Whereas in this film, it very much does look like you know he himself is being you know yanked across these various things and i i don't know i don't know maybe it's very possible i come out and i'm like whoa that was too much a lot of the people the criticisms i'm seeing is that it's a lot and yeah we we've gotten pretty far not talking about animation here but like my understanding is that into the spider-man into the spider-verse was like a landmark film when it comes to american animation that that they were that animators in particular were limited to the disney and pixar styles they were trying to um copy them as much as possible and since into the spider-verse has come out it's kind of like i've from the puss in boots movie to uh to um to Mitchell's versus the machines to like the the anim- animation is now like there people are are pushing it forward aping on spider-verse a bit but also trying some new stuff and my understanding is that they've gone hog wild with this movie that you've just seen so i am kind of curious to see what that it means you know and like there's a point in everything everywhere all at once with the multiverse where the and they do this intentionally where it becomes painful to look at the screen you're just like oh my god you know so much is going on and you're just like oh and and they want you to look away like they're cutting 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 doing sounds that are really like both my wife and I like had to look away from the screen. It was just too much. I I'm concerned that this is going to be that the movie, um, you know, but we will, we will see. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, I know we haven't talked a lot about the animation and, and I mean like some of the, the pre release interviews you were talking about how there was, you know, over 20, you know, different styles of animation that they've incorporated. And and again, that goes back to the talk of like, this is very much a multiverse film, not the multiverse visiting one location, but, but our characters visiting multiple universes. And you do, uh, you do see those, those 
varying degrees of animation and and it goes back to the cameo idea of like you might see an animation style for 30 seconds and then never see it again because it is based yeah. on what the cameo is yeah and um the animation is just it's it's through the roof like uh it is amazing when there are characters there are like the new uh the new bad guy that they introduced like i was skeptical about it but like when they skeptical face yeah yeah good one uh we might as well just yeah we, we should play the real one this time i don't even know if i have it skeptical face yeah there you go um yeah like even i was skeptical about the bad guy and uh the way that they have that character evolve over the course of the movie, uh, especially early on, and the animation style they do that with, with that, it just goes back to the idea of like, there is stuff they're doing. We were all skeptical about an animated Spider-Man film, let alone sequels to it, uh, especially a film split in two. And I think it goes back to if they're doing things in into the Spider-Verse and across the Spider-Verse that they cannot do in a conventional Spider-Man live action film. It's a success. And there are things that they showcase in across, across the Spider-Verse and into the Spider-Verse that would be, would look silly in live action, would not work, would, would look just not great. And the fact that they pull it off in animation and it just looks superb and the action is just amazing and, and the animation so cool like it just it's uh yeah you, you gotta see it you gotta see it and if you can't see it in theaters i think like even seeing it at home on a on a big screen in 4k like will also be great so i'll be um i'll watch it on my phone pirated ryan yeah cam version no i'm just yeah did you record it did you I did hold not. up your phone the whole time yeah i you know sometimes like i i did not do that but i i always find it so odd because like these days and i don't i don't think it's as big a deal now as it was back in the day when there was like huge wait times but these days like um we talked about all the films you were skipping and unless it's disney or um sony I find that the it's a pretty easy bet that the movie is going to be available to rent digitally either through premium or 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 like just a, a, a rent or buy. Um it it's about, you know, about 2 months on average, about a month to 2 months. Supposedly Universal's releasing like the Fast and the Furious movie that came out last week or 2 weeks ago or something uh like in 2 weeks on digital or really? something. It's coming it's coming out like really quick and mario was interesting because mario my understanding is that last week and beyond I, I was able to get like i could buy it now or rent it yeah. digitally or watch it watch it at home but it's still in theaters yeah you it's know? still in theaters and i think the so the, the way the mario movie worked was really interesting because it was and disney's kind of moved to this model as well it's like 45 days to like a premium rental so it's like 20 bucks to rent it uh, and then like a couple weeks later, you can buy it at a premium and then a couple weeks later. So next weekend, Father's Day weekend, you'll be able to buy the Mario movie on physical, like digital, uh, sorry, you'll be able to buy it in Blu-ray or 4k. So, you know, it, like these days there's so much, and I know Crofton, you've got a list of dungeon stuff to talk about and we're going to get to that now. Like there's so much that we can enjoy these days. All right. We're getting to it now. Yeah, well, let's get to it. Let's get to it. Cause this is the thing. There's so much you can do that before you know it, that new Indiana Jones film is going to be on Disney plus and you're, you're, I don't know if you saw the reviews for it, but I hear it's, it's, it's not doing so hot. <laughs> well, 
I did see the reviews, but and I I will watch that movie. Yeah, uh, I just think that I'm going to be watching it at home, and it sounds bad because like there's no way that I can talk about that movie without sounding ageist. Um, but but really, like it, it is it is a challenge. They're they're going to have to do some mega suspension of disbelief, but it also has to do with my um, ongoing concern with. Um, these reboot quills or like these, these resuscitations of old properties, because the reality is that um, when, when you have a happy ending and uh, let's take a look at uh, Indiana Jones and the last crusade, which was the third movie in the original Indiana Jones trilogy, that film literally ends with him, his father and uh, Sala and um, what's, uh, his name, uh, oh God, it escapes me. But uh, Desmond. Uh, the, the anyway, it ended with the four of them riding horse horses into um, the uh, the sunset, and uh, just perfect end. Uh, just you know, that's the end. Riding off into the sunset, quite literally. Everyone's happy. Adventure crisis. Nazi stopped. Indy is reconnected with his father. So forth, so on. Anything that they show past then, it has to reveal, oh, now his dad's dead. Now he's sad. Now he's like, like, what am I going to find out in Dial of Destiny? That he's like an 80-year-old professor who still hasn't learned how to let go and has had a pretty much sad sack life since, you know, you want to see your heroes do well. And it was the same with the Star Wars trilogy. When When they announced they were coming back, you had to say what happened to Han to Luke, to Leia for those past 30 years because it ended with them celebrating and partying on Endor. And if the answer was going to be like, yeah, you know what? They're sucked now. Uh, Han and Leia got divorced. Their son's a murderous killer. Um, all of this sort of – like I get it. They need a new story to tell, but you did it on the backs of our heroes, right? And so for me, I, I'm i always like a little bit of uh, – I, do I need to know? Like my, I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, but my understanding just from the trailers alone is that Maverick hasn't been able to. Like, why did you get never promoted to general? Like, you're still here, you know? Why have you been in a state of arrested development? That's almost the best case that your hero can be in, because um, most of them, it's like they had the promise of the future in front of them, and now their lives are ruined. So anyway, I'm I'm not overly excited for. Dial of Destiny, and now almost half of the Indiana Jones movies will be these old indie movies because uh, Crystal Skull um, was the last ch- time that they did something like this. I, my wife and I, watch Ryan when they put the Indiana Jones movies on the Disney D- Disney Plus. We watch Raiders of the Lost Ark the other day. Talk about a perfect movie! That movie is amazing. Holds up tremendously well. Is just great. Uh, great film. To rewatch, we were just looking for some fun to re- to rewatch, and uh, it looks great. Um, it is funny uh, because you know the special effects of that time can't be like every. You can see everything now, so like things where they were just like getting by, or a little bit of smoke and mirrors to make you think that it's not a painting, or it's not a it's not like a, a fake fake image or whatever. Well, like now you see it very, very clearly, but that makes you almost watch the movie differently. Those Indiana Jones movies were like 
homages to the serials of George Lucas and Steven Spielberg's youth. These like sort of crackerjack adventures that were kind of campy and kind of like, you know, fake looking to a certain extent. So it makes sense that there are bits that look like that. When I was a kid, everything was like, this is how it was. This is like a World War II documentary, you know? But but now as a as an adult, I'm like, oh no, it's all like the Nazis are campy. Like everything is kind of like tongue in cheek. But it is it is so good. Just such a great movie. If you're looking for a good rewatch, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, or just Raiders of the Lost Ark is really what it what the, the title was, is a great movie. When I was a kid, because I saw them all around the same time, the three were out. And so I often conflated it with Last Crusade because they have a lot in common. Like they're they're both Nazi ones, they're both ones where uh um certain characters return and and this and that but like now as as somebody who's seen them enough times i really raiders i hold in really high esteem is almost like the perfect indiana jones movie yeah. anyway it's a good watch they both have melting faces too like uh characters that die by dude the stuff in raiders is like and i know that like temple of doom in particular led to the creation of the pg13 uh code it used to be pg or r so like you had like NG and stuff. So you had movies. It was like, you know, ET could be PG. It was Spielberg or whatever, or this movie where a guy burns his hand on a poker or like melts, gets his face melted and the skull caves in and stuff like that. Um, you know, it's just in the opening scene, Indy's iconic opening scene, Indy's getting that statue from the temple and he, he lifts it, you know, he, he lifts it up and, and then um, there's a guy with him played by Doc Ock himself, Alfred Molina, in a very young and early role, who's like, throw me the whip, throw me the idol. And, uh, you know, the, the Indy throw, throws him the idol. Uh, and he's like, uh, goodbye, senor. And he drops the whip uh, into the pit or whatever, into uh, any, any, any walks around the corner and and Indy then somehow makes it across as he's the hero and he makes it through the door before it closes. And then sure enough, what does he find? But Alfred Molina's character dead by booby traps, spikes shooting out of like this prosthetic head with blood like oozing all down the front, like in these spikes, like just sticking out of his eye and all of this. Like he, this is like the opening scene of the movie. And it's like, um, it's just clearly, uh, you know, the kids of the eighties all bets were off you know like i would never i'm like you know gwen i i'd love for her to watch indiana jones she's not going to be watching it for years <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna let her watch that's too violent too too crazy nightmare fuel yeah i remember um and you're right those movies stick with you and i remember watching the indiana jones movies we were at um my dad's boss's cottage and we were kids and i remember they had them on vhs and we watched them and, and yes the the melting the the age the quickly aging character in um the last crusade after he yeah, drinks from the he, wrong cup yeah uh, that always that always they gave it that gave us nightmares it's right at the end too so mm -hmm. you would have made it through the whole movie to see oh, yeah. that scene you know and that's what's kind of, it's the same with opening the arc at least in raiders they give you some like like the guy getting impaled there's a couple of scenes where you're like okay I probably shouldn't let my kids watch this but with last crusade I don't think there's that that much until that scene. And you're right. That is like a really grotesque scene. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there's just, uh, there are those movies from that time period that like, 
there are these iconic things that stick with you. And I think it was, um, it was those two moments in those two Indiana Jones films where there's that, there's the, the, the effects they use to show the bad guys, uh, dying. And then I remember, uh, my brother having nightmares about, um, Jack Nicholson's Joker, which looking back at and watching now is tame in comparison to other takes on Joker, um, lately, but it's, uh, it's it's just there's something about that era of of uh, there's something of creepy about Nicholson though yeah the way that he falls in the the way that he falls in the ooze they play it for Burton plays it horror because he's got him looking in the mirror and being disfigured and like there's the acid and and he starts laughing hysterically and and he's using this poison to force everybody to have a smile like him and there's something I don't know like Heath Ledger's joker obviously there's you know the pencil scene and some scenes that are really sort of disturbingly but they're more in the graphic violence in in less like in the just the overall creepiness factor um because and that's it there's a lot of those movies in the 80s that had that temple of doom has like like is 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 so funny because it's made for children but also made to like scar them like there the indie has a child sidekick um you know there's all sorts of crazy stuff for the kids bright colors it opens with a musical number you know like there's there's all sorts of stuff like that and then meanwhile it's got scenes where like this cult rips out the guy's heart and he still lives because it's ridiculous. And then he, he gets sent down in a pit to burn. And then, you know, like while the guy's holding his living heart in his hand and I'm like, Oh my God, you know, like, I can't believe this is it. I want, how old was I when I watched this, you know? So the, the indie movies are very interesting like that. They're they're I do find them very much like of the eighties in a way. And that's why I think, both Crystal Skull with its over-reliance on CG. And I'm assuming there's going to be tons of CG in this style of Destiny, just in the de-aging effects. I'm like, CG is not Indiana Jones. No offense. It's just not. Like, it was very prop and real. I went to Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular at Disney World, and, like, they can recreate these things. Like, you know, anyway, it is – I've seen some pretty cool-looking scenes in the trailer – for Dial of Destiny, but I almost feel like it's too over the top. Like when I see him jumping out of a plane and all of that stuff, I'm like, what is this mission impossible? You know, it is very interesting that they're, I know they wanted to do one more Indiana Jones film and I get, I I'm glad that they're doing it for sure. I, 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 but this has to be it. This is the end. And Crystal Skull was supposed to be the last one they did where he was in his 60s or something. Yeah, well, that's it. I Googled how old he was in Crystal Skull because I just remember him being very old in that movie. And he's 64. But he looked old for 64, I think. And and 64. And it is funny because one of the big things in, in, um, in uh, what is it? Uh, uh, I think it's Last Crusade. Sean Connery, who plays his dad, is like, not that much older than him. Like that's the that's the joke. Like Harrison Ford looked younger, Sean Connery looked older. You know, they're not they're not that far apart in age or whatever, but now it's it yeah, anyway, it's just funny because in that movie, Sean Connery's age and the fact that he's an older, you know, he's not James Bond anymore. He's like this older sort of kooky professor type and and indy is like the the action hero and now like indy's older he still remains the action hero i guess but uh anyway uh raiders that's the movie i'm talking about that's a good movie you should watch that movie also ryan 
while we're still in the dungeons, uh, I would uh, I would be remiss if I didn't follow up on the two things I mentioned last week. One was Sleeping Dogs, which was a game that surprised me to the extent that I finished it. Like in the past two weeks, I played through all of an open world crime epic game on my Steam Deck while playing Tears of the Kingdom, and I do I do have to say that that a good story in a game. Because like Zelda's story is better than Zelda's stories have been in quite some time, but it is not really captivating, and it is very passive. Like it's you, you can engage with it, the story in that game. There are story bits, but for the most part, you're just exploring this wonderful world, and that's wonderful. But Sleeping Dogs is driven by the plot, and it is a good plot. It is tropey, but it is a trope that works. You know, the undercover cop who's got too close, and what's going to happen, and uh, and so I just got like. First off, all the gameplay mechanics are super fun. Jumping from one moving car to another, awesome. Uh, playing burnout with cars on the road, awesome. Uh, you know, bullet time shooting, awesome. Arkham style combat, awesome. Like everything is fun. So it was just a fun game with a great story. Um, the only downside to it, I would say, is it had a very big feeling at the end of. Um, and I don't want to spoil the ending, but, but there is like there is a, a there is a tension throughout. You know, when you're an undercover cop, is he ever going to be outed as a cop to the crime? You know, he's got friends in the crime. Like, are they going to find out? And they kind of like the ending wasn't very satisfying in that regard. And it kind of felt a little bit like they ran out of money at the end. Like it wraps up very quick in that last mission or two before you realize, oh, shit, it's all wrapping up. I was sad when it ended, though, uh, and it's in. It is a really good game, and this is a game that came out for the um, for the PlayStation Three and the Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, and they remastered it at the beginning of the PS Four Xbox One life cycle. So I mean, like, technically, this is like an older game now, but like, it makes me want to go back to 2011, 2012. Like those games, they they're. they're we don't make them anymore. Like th those types of games, the Grand Theft Auto wannabes, the whatever, like there used to be tons of those and now there isn't. And I don't know where they all went, but I really like, I, I was starting to look at games that came out at that time period and be like, wow, maybe I'll play more of these on the Steam Deck. Yeah. You know what? Um, oh man. The fact that this is a, a Square Enix published game is probably, <laughs> we're never going to get another uh, sleeping oh no, dogs. we're not. The uh, the studio um, went out of business shortly thereafter. It's never. There's not going to be another one. It's United Front Games is the. Yeah. And they're no. Yeah. They're no longer. They're just. They got folded into Square Enix. Is that the idea? Uh, I think they shuttered the Square Enix. Shuttered the studio when it was a financial sale failure or something. Uh, it was. It's just no longer exists. This was years. This was years ago. They put out this game, and that was it. Um, and it is funny because I did a bit of googling, and I was like, "Am I the only one that thinks fondly of this game?" But no, there. Every like five years or so, there's a think piece or something on a game site or blog that's like, "Hey, remember Sleeping Dogs? That game's awesome." And it's true. It really is. So, uh, oh, it's Canadian. It, it was uh, yeah, based out of Vancouver. Yep. Uh, and the thing, the thing is, though, is like it's you know, sleeping dogs aside, it has just made me be like, Oh, you know what? We're such of the moment in games. And like now 
I was an adult when I played Sleeping Dogs the first time. And now I'm an adult now. And it's like it's like going back to those games from a different place. And like I don't remember. I didn't remember the end of the game. I, I knew how it was going to go because I've seen enough of these types of things. But I was like, I don't remember. Like, who's the boss? Who's the – he double-crosses him. Like, what what – does he, does he screw me? Like, there's a guy giving me a mission. I'm like, does he screw me? I'm pretty sure he screws me. I'm like, I don't remember for sure though. So, you know, I was I was enjoying it like uh, through fresh eyes a bit. It had been long enough, but yeah. Anyway, there's just a lot of games from that generation, the play the the 360 generation where HD was a thing. You had your 1080p or whatever. You had often they were remastered at the beginning of the PS4 generation. And uh, there's a lot of these games that, you know, I don't want to say we take for granted, but like we we kind of did uh, because they were a dime a dozen and now they're not anymore. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, yeah, what is like what? And some of them I didn't play. And I don't know. You know, I don't know how some of them some of them will hold up. But anyway, I'm, I'm here to say Sleeping Dogs was good. Okay. Now, Ryan, uh, last bit before we go into the uh the diapers, which is Tears of the Kingdom. So uh, last time we talked, you had done three of the temples, which I found absolutely flabbergasting. And as I spent more time with it, I still find just ridiculously flabbergasting. I've still yet to do I've, – I've done the – I'm in this weird situation, which I mentioned last episode, where I – um, and I was playing Sleeping Dog, so it wasn't so bad. But now it really is where I play the game with Gwen and, and Clara. And we all play it. Like the three of us, they all love it. It's amazing playing it with them. Uh, but then they go to bed and I want to play in the evening. But I can't play our game. So I have to play another game. So I'm repeating kind of the same track. And yes, I could go a different way. But at the beginning, they really shepherd you to the Rito Village. And I wanted that flying power. Um, and it's like, you got to go all the way up to the stupid wind temples. I've done the wind temple twice is what I'm saying. Right. Once in Gwen's game, once in my game, but we just got to the Goron temple, the fire temple in, um, in, in the game tonight. Like that's where we stopped playing. We got, we got to the fire temple. So, uh, in the time since we've last recorded a podcast, we've played it literally every day and we just got to the second temple. So I just find it so funny. And also, like, I'm playing um, the Rito uh, in in my game. And so what I always feel pressured by them to move on, like Gwen's like, okay, we need to go back to Lookout Landing or we need to keep going. We need to explore these other things or we need to find a capture of a horse. She loves horses. Um and I'm like, let's look for shrines around here and stuff. And she's like, no, no, I don't want to do that. Don't you want to snowboard? Like maybe the snowboard teacher is still here. She's like, no, no, I don't want to do this. So normally we compromise. We do a little bit, but then she pressures me to move on to the next thing. But when I play my own game, I exhaust it. I found like 10 shrines that we didn't find. I found all these hidden. I've just exhausted the Hebra Mountains. I've been like under and over and around. Like I've just really like – only in one area that I got like 60 Koroks in the Hebra mountains or something. Like I'm just, I'm just like, go, but I, but I've not been anywhere other than that area in the game. Uh, so it's, it's just crazy. Like, so you on the other hand had just somehow magically plowed through three temples pretty quick. My question to you is, are you done the game now? <laughs> <laughs> well, let me preface with what I'm about to say in that, um, 
I think anybody who's listening to this is, first of all, no spoilers. Uh, second of all, I think the best way to enjoy the way Nintendo has set up this these last two Zelda games is to play at the pace that Zelda or that Nintendo uh, sets, which is exploration is key. Take your time. Go at your own pace. Do not rush. That all being said, I have completed <laughs> the main campaign. <laughs> and um, you've re- you finished the game. I Well, here's the thing. Finished the game. No. I, bu- I beat the main campaign, though. I, I did beat the main campaign. So you beat the boss of the game? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I did. So you finished the game. You finished. You've completed. You rolled credits. I rolled credits. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. So I want to state, though, like, um, I th- like a f- couple reasons. For, you know, for the gamers in, we, we wanted to uh, chat about, um, you know, you do a bit of a spoiler talk. Like, there is story to the game. And there you is. can you can experience a majority of the story uh, just by mainlining the the tears and stuff, and and that leads to a pretty you know critical moments uh, that you can talk to on, on a podcast. We won't do that here, but um, yeah, we wanted to finish it to to share our thoughts. And and Jocelyn's not a huge fan of uh, of of the way Zelda has changed with Breath of the Wild and Tears of the Kingdom, so there was. Um, you know, sort of a push to try to try to wrap it up. And the game's been out a month. So like by, you know, our standards of of uh, trying to talk about video games, we don't normally I was having this chat with Jocelyn today uh, about how on the Gamers in it is very rare that we talk about a game multiple episodes in a row. Tears of the Kingdom has been an exception to that Horizon games have been an exception to that where they kind of stick around for a couple episodes as we as we discover new things about it. Sometimes we'll, we'll say, okay, now we're going to talk about spoilers. So like there was this, um, both from myself and Jocelyn to, to sort of have, uh, more of tears of the kingdom under our belt to, to discuss it. So, and, and I was curious, I wanted to, you know, see where it went. And I know you and I had sort of discussed like, well, what is there after the four temples? And, um, it was really cool to sort of, uh, experience that. But, but I did find that, and this should come as no surprise to folks at home, I did find that when you sort of mainline the main quest, uh, it kind of like, it kind of like, um, I don't, wouldn't say ruin, but it, but it, but it, but it put, puts a bit of a damper on doing like some of the side stuff, you know, like the main stuff is really interesting. And I think the side stuff is really cool too. But if you finish the game, like, it's like, okay, like we finished the game. Do we really... Do we really need to, to 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 build these houses? Do we need to find these lost horses? And I think like enjoying it at your yeah, own yeah. pace is the way to go. It's what I worry about too. I lose total motivation, and it's not just a Zelda thing. A lot of games, I roll credits, man. You know, it's it's rare that I will have continued motivation. In fact, uh, normally the 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 signposts like like for Breath of the Wild, it was when you go into Ganon's castle, or when you go into Hyrule Castle, Calamity Ganon's. Uh, and I knew that that was like the people said you could go into the castle and come out. You didn't have to like, you know, push to the end. But I knew that if I went into the castle, I was pushing to the end. So my big thing was like, do not go in the castle until like I did every shrine in the game before I, w- I took a step in the castle. Right. Yeah. Uh, in Breath of the Wild. And so because I knew my motivation would die as soon as I beat 
yeah i'm uh i'm still gonna go back to it like i i'm i've been poking at it over the last couple days after finishing it at night i I, like i said i'm glad that i wrapped the campaign and i got the main quest done i think i really enjoyed the journey but i think that the the design of the game um is uh kind of struggles a bit when you focus on the main quest like a lot of the game is about discovery and um, being able to do things at different times, like discovering whole main quests before they're even telegraphed to you. Uh, you know, the, 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 the quest lines are very like hint based, you know, um, this isn't like, you know, horizon or world of Warcraft where it's like, no, this is the coordinates you literally have to go to in tears of the kingdom. There's a lot of like, well, I heard of this thing to the Northeast at this village you know, and you know, you can, you know where that village is. You can talk to, like they say, like, go talk to this person in Lookout Landing. They have an I they, they have the sort of the rundown on where everything is. Go talk to them and they'll sort of point you in the right direction. Like it's all in the game, but it's not like a lot of other design that we're used to with these big open world adventures where it's like, no, these are the coordinates to go to. You had to do this thing and then come back when you're done. Yeah. Um, Tears of the Kingdom very much like takes this freedom of an exploration idea from a design perspective and extrapolates it across everything, you know, like you have to talk to characters. Like when they say, uh, like there's a specific quest that I haven't done. I haven't finished yet because it was literally like, go talk to some folks and then figure out where this thing is. It doesn't like the pinpoint of the quest is the stable, but like you have to investigate. Right. You have to have conversations. Yeah, I love that stuff where where it's like Gwen's like, well, just go to the point on the map. I mean, the point of the map's the stable, Gwen. Yeah. You've got to you've got to talk to you got to figure figure this out. Like you got to do the you work. Know, I was yeah, I was at like Rito Village, and and this lady's like uh, the this per- person's like, hey, there's a there's a hidden secret where these three things mix, and you're like, oh, well, let me see where, where are the three things. But the pinpoint is like on Rito Village because. That's where the quest giver was. And so I had to solve it. And then when I did solve it, you're rewarded by the name of the quest coming up and then a big completed stamp coming on it. And you're like, yes, that's right. I did solve it. Suck it. You know? Yeah. And there was a few moments like leading up to the end um, that I had to kind of like look up and not in the sense of like, where do I go from here? Like one of the quest lines was like, okay, we need to find this thing. And the hint was like, okay, I don't quite get it. Uh, I went to a couple other places and I, and I tried the discovery thing. So I tried a couple places and I was like, okay, this wasn't it, but it led to some other cool stuff, uh, which was fun. And that's the whole point of the discovery. Like you try things, you go to an area, oh, it's not here, but there's something else. Like the world is built in a way that if you go to a location, chances are there's going to be something for you to do there. It might not be something you enjoy the most uh, of what's offered in Tears of the Kingdom. It could be a building puzzle. It could be a shrine. Uh, it could be a fetch quest, like who knows, but, um, there, it came to a point where I'm like, okay, where do I need to go? And it comes down to, you just, you have to, you have to follow the hints. You have to talk to the folks. And in this case, I was like, ah, I just don't know what they're talking about. And I looked it up and I was like, well, of course, you know, there was a specific thing. And again, I'm trying to remain spoiler free. Like there was a specific thing that it was telling me to go, to go look at. And I wasn't cluing in that like, oh, of course it was that location that I'd been to before. And there was an area that was kind of closed off uh, for story reasons. And now that I've progressed the story enough, I should be able to be like, no, let's open this up. So it, I just, I, I 
I think that um, I got to play the game the way Nintendo wanted folks to play with discovery and exploration and experimentation. I did a majority of that. Uh, but I also knew that, like, you know, playing the game for three weeks straight, uh, almost a month, like that's kind of unheard of for me. So it was like I knew some and Diablo four, I kind of pushed it aside. It wasn't something I was looking to get right away or probably wait for a sale. Like I don't, I'm not ready to jump into another big game. But um, I was I'm excited to be like sort of wrapped on uh, the story, the main story for Tears of the Kingdom only so that I can crack open that art book I got, which has been sitting on the table. I know. I know mine. Mine, too. I don't want any spoilers. I, I will say that, that, that it does make me a bit sad for you because it does. It does feel like like this is a leg- like a Legend of Zelda game in which we get every six or seven years just like meticulously crafted and you're like like right like three weeks is this is nothing for a game like that like i'm going to be playing this game for at least another two months probably yeah. like just just at the at the rate that we're going through it and and i'm playing it every day and we're, we're putting a lot of mileage on it but it's so dense but you're like well you know i gotta i gotta plow through it because i gotta get to the next thing for the show and I, I'm like, I guess that's true. I'm like, but I just find that sucks. Like, because it's it's really like it is a, a historic summer for games in the sense that like you got like these Final Fantasy 16 or Diablo 4, Street Fighter 6. These are huge games that people are excited to play. Um, and I, I don't begrudge them that and stuff, but like for me, it's like at the end of the at the end of the year, is it gonna be is Tears of the Kingdom gonna be the best game? Probably, I think yes. that, like I, I I put money down and say right now that it is. So you got the best game in the year in your in your grubby little hands, and it's like let's let's milk the most out of this lemon, you know? Like I'm just uh, that's that's why when I can't even move to the next area, if, if I don't if I don't when I get activate one of those towers, which is like you know there's surprise there's towers to activate. Um, and it reveals a corner of the map. I have to milk that corner of the map. And that's why it's like when and I have to compromise for us to move on in our game. Cause I'm like, there's still parts of this map. I have not milked, you know, and in the depths, like, I mean, it, it, we've gone back into them for story reasons. Um, but like, there's so much down there. I know. And we've barely been down there, you know, and I'm like, Oh God, I want to see more of the, uh, more of the stuff that's down there. You know, like how much of the depths have you explored? Well, see, this is the thing. I, I don't. I did not like the depths. Um, oh. they're not as interesting as everything else. The Sky Islands are really cool. Gwen hates the sp- Gwen hates the Sky Islands. Oh, it's so really? Fun- it's oh, it's so funny. She's just like, oh, I hate them so much, and like Weird. she'll say it too. She'll 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 hate. But like, I sort of understand where she's coming from. She likes horses. She likes characters. She likes. Uh, you know, like seeing the site, the Sky Islands, at least all the ones we've been to, are all the same color palette, all the same. They look more or less all the same. They have no characters other than the occasional robot that tells you stuff. There's no horses. Like, like if I'm going by her criteria, the depths she likes more because it's it's they're spooky and scary. Uh, and there's like there's surprises and things that she's not seen. Whereas the Sky Islands, I think she feels like she's seen them all. I think she feels rightly or wrongly that she's seen all that they have to offer. Yeah, I can see that. I, I mean, I um... I don't say I agree. I like the Sky Islands. I find they're like nice and airy and breezy. I'm just saying that's where she's coming from. No, but I mean, and, and she's not 
She's not wrong. Like, and that's that. That comes back to my original point in talking about Tears of the Kingdom over the last three weeks. Is like, uh, no, like everyone's opinion. The game is designed in a way where like everyone's opinion of it is is valid because there's just so much freedom in this game that if you don't, it, there are specific yeah. things that if you don't like about the game, like you know, um, the the shrine system. Like if you really don't like the shrines, you're gonna struggle with with the game because the shrines are connected directly to some very real uh checks yeah they're a huge part they're a huge part of the game they're a huge like part. in breath of the wild but you know um for me like i i took my time and i love the shrines by the way I, and i and i like the shrines too i find they're a great break in the action and and they like they allow me to whenever it, i remember breath of the wild i pop when i see a shrine and i do in this too like when when i i'm like oh there's a shrine here and especially in this one there's a lot of hidden shrines because they can be underground and stuff yeah. in caves and, and then when i break down a wall and there's a shrine and i'm like oh money you know like <laughs> i just I, I feel so good uh so good about it like it is just one thing this game does ryan that this is that i really appreciate is that and Breath of the Wild did a lot. You have to understand Breath of the Wild deserves its flowers because it did a lot of this first. But it finds ways to make every little bit uh, fun. And like it, it leans into it. This version in particular leans into what was really fun about uh, certain areas. So like, for example, I'm in the snow area and I knew they like they never ever had to introduce in breath of the wild the concept of jumping on your shield to surf it like a snowboard like that didn't have to be in the game at all but it is and it's awesome like it's super fun to do that to surf to shield surf and to go down but if you're doing that in the snow and it's super awesome when you go somewhere that you can't shield surf it kind of sucks so they they leaned into um the shield surfing again, but then they made it. So like, so when you go to um, the, the, so I went to the Goron place and I was like, Oh, it's all rock. So you can't really shield surf unless you like fuse uh, something with wheels to your shield, which incidentally is awesome that you can do that. But like, but that now there's mine carts all over the place and mine carts as Indiana Jones and the temple of doom will tell you are also awesome. And uh, and so it's like they and then if you don't have a mine cart, you can grind the rails on the mine carts on your shield, like Tony Hawk, and it just sticks you down, and you're like you're going along on your shield. It's awesome. So it's like they find and like I haven't been to the desert, but I know that there's I've already talked to somebody about shield surfing on the sand with the with the um with the seals and all of that. I'm sh every area seems to have like something awesome, be it bouncing on trampolines in the sky or skydiving and, uh, and, and pulling moves or, 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 or snowboarding. It's like, it's just, everything is fun all the time. I'm like, Oh, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bounce on this and I'm going to flip. And then I'm going to use this air to blow, blow my th thing. I'm going to fly a plane. I'm going to, it just feels like there's so much inherent like mobility and fun. And they found ways to like, cause that's the thing when you play Spider-Man, like on PS4, what's fun about Spider-Man is just like sleeping dogs in that you're in a city and you're going around and you're going on missions and you go to your mission checkpoint, you get missions, there's collectibles, there's whatever. 
It's just the difference is that Spider-Man is amazingly fun to play because you're swinging around and doing stunts and all this. Well, Zelda has all that built into it too. I, I just, it's really clicking with me this time that they've really like, there's so much fun stuff you can do. You can fuse. I read the other day that you can fuse icy meat to your shield, like get meat, make it cold and fuse it to your shield and it will make it even slicker and you can shield surf way faster with it. Huh. And I'm like, who would fuse icy meat to their shield? And I'm like, some genius, obviously. I'm like, but that's amazing, you know. So anyway, I've, I, I've so- seen, uh, I've seen. So I fo- I follow a couple of folks on Twitter that do like the super fancy combat animations for like specific games, and one of them was Tears of the Kingdom, and I saw them fuse a bomb to their shield, and you can use that when you um you do the the shield surf animation. It just it it creates like a rocket jump. So you're not damaged. Really? Yeah. It looked. I thought it, it would hurt cool. you. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought too. But I guess the idea is like it it uh, it didn't damage them. They just you just shoot up into the air. So they were using that to get um uh to get height, and then they would uh, use the bow and arrow to you know trigger like a slowdown mode and uh, and shoot bows at the or shoot arrows at the Lynels. The bow and arrow slowdown mode is another good example of somebody just being like, what would be awesome, you know? And uh, like everything is like, it's as if the designers at all points were like, what would be the most awesome thing though? And like, oh, you can skydive, but what if you could dive down and then you could go flat, but then you pull a paraglider out, but then there's an enemy and you can go into slow-mo and shoot the enemy from the sky and then pull your paraglider and then land on your shield and surf down the hill. It's like, and I know a lot of this was in Breath of the Wild, but it's just, it it this time it feels like it's really designed. I remember the Goron village in Breath of the Wild. It was all about it being too hot and getting stuff and going up the hill. You could ride a horse, but then it was like, there was minecart stuff. There was, but here it's just like next level. They're like, you know what? Minecarts are awesome. Let's just have a lot of minecarts. And I'm like, yes, let's do that. Um, and so, uh, so there, there, there's some Goron that's making minecart land that's like Disneyland. And I'm like, I haven't been there yet, but I'm like, I'm going there. That's going to be awesome. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, um, I know that we're, we're already running long and we haven't even gotten into the diaper. So let's do a hard pivot, Ryan. Hard pivot. Uh, let's go. Into- uh, diapers time. We're going to talk about, uh, Crofton's topic. Why don't you, uh, introduce your topic? Yeah. The topic for the diapers this week is you and sleep. And everybody knows sleep is important. People say it all the time. The best thing you can do for yourself is get a good night's sleep. But there's so many parameters around that for a normal person. Like you could have sleep apnea. You could just have regular insomnia. You could have anxiety. It could be challenging to fall asleep. Now let's add kids into the equation. Now that your kids, depending on their age, like, you know, everybody – when you meet somebody who's had a baby, one of the first questions you're going to say is like, so how are you sleeping? You know, how is everybody sleeping? Because the odds are not well, because there's breastfeeding, there's all sorts of stuff going on. But even as your kids get older, like their sleep needs change, bedtime changes. Some of them have an easier time. Others have night terrors. Others wake up multiple times in the night and need to wake you up to tell you that they're awake and then go back to sleep. Like, there's just so much in there and, and at being a parent, some people have said being a parent is being tired all the time. And, you know, I can see that. I, I totally can see that. So I wanted to spend a little bit of time 
talking about sleep, how much we get, um, what it's like, where we are now, where we've been, that sort of stuff. And if we have, Ryan, if you and I have tips for people or, you know, if people have tips for us. So let's start just by talking about how we're doing on sleep right now. So Ryan, on our, let's say a weeknight, week like our, your regular weeknight, what's your bedtime? When do you personally, Ryan, go to bed? When do you wake up generally? How many hours of sleep are you getting? And are you interrupted during that sleep at any point by your children? Uh, well, so we, so Ash and I usually go to, we usually go to bed at the same time these days because we're both up at the same time. Uh, although, uh, if Ashley heard me say that, she'd probably be like, well, uh, so uh, a general evening, uh, both in bed around 10, 1030. Like we try to like, you know, call it a day at, or at 10 because we know uh, Caden's likely to be up at six. Um, so we are usually awakened at 6 a.m. Caden's been coming, he comes into the room and he will, his, his routine now is to ask, oh, can I, can I watch Google? So he wants to watch YouTube kids because he watches these like, uh, he's been watching a lot of like puzzle uh, YouTube videos for like Rubik's Cubes and stuff, which I say to him, I was like, no, you got to wait till I wake up. You can go watch a little bit of Netflix while we while we get out of bed. And um, Abby's not too far after that. So, like, I'd say the whole house is usually up between 630 and 7. We do get a bit of extra sleep because Isabel, who's three, will uh, sleep in because she usually falls asleep a little later than the other two. So she'll sleep in a little bit. Uh, but in terms of being woken up with three kids, uh, like at least once or twice a week, someone's up. Chances are one of them is going to have, you know, a nightmare, um, wet the bed. Uh, Isabel sometimes just wakes up because she had a rough day. I don't know. She's been a little, like, you know, hard to predict lately. Like, sometimes Isabel will get up. Like I said, like, I'll roll over and Ashley will be gone and uh i say oh what what time did isabel wake you up because isabel will sometimes wake up and she is hysterical when she wakes up she will not let me calm her down if i go into the room she just screams bloody murder for ashley and wakes up the whole house it is interesting that the mom the mom uh dimension i it may be interesting but it also may be like if she has a sense that ashley is not there it kind of does change the equation because I've had that, like, like Clara seems like well-reasoned kid most of the time, but in the middle of the night, she'll wake up or she'll be last night we were doing her bedtime and I, it was my turn to do bedtime and she just lost her mind at one point. Um, and, uh, she wanted mom desperately, right. She wanted, and, uh, and I was like, I just, you know, I don't get it. So I kind of tried to, to debunk it with her. And the thing is, Jess and I have different kind of like, parameters for bedtime so when i do bedtime clara who is now who's five uh sleeps in her bed like i she sleeps in her bed gwen sleeps in her bed but i cannot go downstairs until they are until clara is asleep because she is scared she she is scared but if she knows that i'm in my room and the door's open and she'll be all right like I can be on the steam deck or reading a book or something and she'll be all right if she knows that I'm there. When Jessie's doing bed though, she knows that Jessie will let her sleep in our room. And so we have a mat from Ikea. It's like a floor mat. And honestly, I suggest if you're having uh, any problems with your kids, 
sleeping, uh, like if they're scared or they have night terrors or whatever, you get this mat. It unfolds in four. It stores really easy. Uh, you put it on the floor with a pillow and blanket and say, just sleep on the floor here. Uh, and like Clara generally will will just immediately, if she has the option of sleeping on that mat, she she does like tonight. I'm doing. I I didn't do bedtime. I know she's on the mat. Mm. Um, but but yet last night when she melted down and she wanted mummy, I'm like, why do you want mummy? Let's talk about this. And she's like, I don't feel good. I'm like, do do you need a puke bucket? She's like, no, I don't. My my head hurts. My tummy hurts. I'm like. I think you're just overtired. What is it that you want? And, and then we talked it up. Finally, I got her to say that really she just wanted to sleep on the mat. And so I said, you know what? It's fine. I'll cave tonight. You go sleep on the mat. And she, and she did and uh, and fell asleep immediately mm -hmm. uh, because, uh, you know, she'll always sleep well on that mat. But I don't want her sleeping in her room all the time over and over. She's got to get used to falling asleep by herself. And she can but what will happen is if she wakes up in the middle of the night and she's in her room, what she will generally do is then waddle over to the mat and just fall back asleep on it. We'll wake up in the morning and she's asleep on the mat in our room. Mm -hmm. If she falls asleep on the mat in our room, she will try to get in her bed often. Like she'll wake up in the middle of the night and be like, oh, now I'll try to get in their bed. So it's always a good benefit to start her in the other room. Gwen, on the other hand, is eight and she is like, it is so hilarious, Ryan. She is now like not tired at all. Like not at all. She stays up at least to 10 p.m. pretty much every night in Whoa. her room. And she has – she made an uh, – um, I took a photo of it. It's pretty funny. Maybe we can use it for the show notes for this episode. Um she uh, for the uh, not for the the, the yeah. part for this episode, but she she essentially has an agenda that she's written up for what she does at bedtime, and it's funny because it's like it's like eight you know eight o'clock dad leaves eight fifteen art <laughs> uh, eight fifteen to eight thirty art eight thirty to eight forty five exercise eight forty five to nine I talk to myself or other people. I'm like, who's other people? She's like, well, if you're still there, I'll go talk to you. I'm like, no, <laughs> you need to go to bed or whatever. And then it's like, so she she's written out her whole, and now she has these nighttime projects. Like she's doing knitting and she's doing uh, a couple of other felting and, and some of these things she's trying to do. Again, Ooh. she's like eight going on eight, nine. She can do a lot of stuff and, and she, she respects the fact that she has to be quiet in her room and all of that. And eventually around 10, you know, she'll crash out, which is just as long as it doesn't impede my evening, like I'm okay. I'm okay with that. Right. Um, so Clara, on the other hand, will be asleep. Like if she were meeting her needs, she will be asleep pretty quick. And we start the bedtime like bath and all that is at seven. So by the time we do bath, by the time we do brush teeth, by the time I read books and all this, like we're at like 745 or something is bedtime is actually happening. Yeah. Yeah. So bedtime for us uh, starts at six. So we'll have um, bath time and, and uh, oftentimes Caden or Abby will, will have a shower downstairs just because again, with three kids, like sometimes we'll, we'll put them all in the bath, but it's, it's just, it creates um, chaos. So we try to try to split it up as best we can, but um, it is really interesting. And I love, I love the idea of, uh, uh, of Gwen basically having like her, her own time for a couple hours in the evening, just like her, her bedtime agenda. And uh, her and Caden could probably talk for hours about stuff. Cause like, 
Caden is also doing knitting and Rubik's cubes and video games. He, he likes the idea of video games, but he, um, I think he struggles to focus on them. Like he, he much prefers his, like his Rubik's cubes and stuff. And he's, he's mastered the four by four. Like if we talked about him getting a four by four last episode, he can now solve it. I can scramble it, takes him longer to solve it, but he can solve it. He's got like the algorithms written down. He's like, Oh, well I was able to solve this cause I didn't have parody. And I'm like, yeah, cool, bud. I don't know what you're talking about, but that sounds great. Uh, and you know, but for bedtime, he is out like he I think he just his brain goes nonstop all day that by the time his head hits the pillow, like he can stay up. Like if you let him stay up, he'll stay up like we, we we've talked about buddies night before where, you know, past bedtime, we can watch a movie, we can have some snacks and just generally just, uh, you know, play video games and all that fun stuff. And um he's fine. Like he can stay up. But the second his head hits that pillow and, and and there's enough quiet, he's asleep out like a light. You try to wake, you can't even wake him up. He's very, it's very rare that it's him that's waking up in the middle of the night because it's him that goes to sleep right on the dot at six 30. And it's him that wakes up right on the dot six o'clock in the morning. And he is up and he's, he's good to go for the day. Like he's ready. Um, but also, like, on the other side of the whole sleep conversation is, like, we have a very strict sleep schedule uh, because our kids, when their sleep schedule gets thrown off, it very much does affect them the next day to the point where when we would plan buddies night, we w- it would have to be, it was less about what we did that day and more about what we had planned the next day. Like, we knew we had to have a quiet day because whatever, like, if if they stay up, especially Caden and Abby, if they stay up, they don't wake up later. They wake up earlier because they're overtired and they're restless when because they, they, they're restless when they go to sleep. So they're restless when they wake up and they're usually up earlier, probably like five, five thirty if they, if they stay up. So we try our darndest to make sure that, that they're in bed between six thirty and seven thirty. Like that's usually our goal. Like it's impossible to, to hit it every night, uh, hit six thirty every night because the family dinners or, Tonight we had soccer, that sort of thing. But it's funny because you're like, you've got these two bedtimes, right? Because essentially Iz- Izzy's on a different circuit, right? Yeah, she's like, about um, a half hour later or so. And that's where Ashley like will say goodnight to Caden and Abby. And I'll, I'll stay in Caden and Abby's room. And I usually have to, to lay yeah. like in the bed, like just sit on the bed or lay on the bed until, until they fall asleep. I would love, and I tried to get away from that, but... Um, it it didn't work out. So like, I think a couple episodes ago, I was talking about, you know, a 30 day streak or whatever. It, it, it never, it didn't work because honestly, like they would just, Caden needs quiet to sleep. And Abby is by no means quiet. And I, I think eventually we'll get to a point where I'll be able to be like, good night and then leave the room. I think we're nearly there. I think it's going to be another year or so for Abby to, to be used to that. But she, she really uh, wants to have someone in the room while she's falling asleep. And um, we never did the whole, you know, secondary mattress in the room. And I, and I know that that it has worked for other parents. I, I know I have friends that also have done that, but we, um, we steered pretty clear of that. We did, uh, we did everything in our power not to do that, but I think it's made our bedtime routine a little more difficult 
we didn't do it with Gwen and we totally regretted it for Gwen. And I, but now for Clara, maybe we shouldn't have done it. I don't know. But for Gwen, she had these night terrors and it was really uncomfortable when she was young. Like I, we were in another house and it was a small room and I had to, it was just, it was difficult to give her what she needed. Um, and if she had just come into a mat, I think it would have been easier. So I would just say, if you find yourself like having to be in a room while your kid falls asleep for hours and hours, then, then you may really want to consider this mat. I, I will say, um, Ryan, that, that, uh, I think that like, you know, we, one of the other sort of, I don't want to say parent mistake because it's not a mistake really. It's just a different way of doing things, but it was killing us was that was that we would both do bedtime so we had two kids we would both do bedtime and so uh you know we'd go up and i would take care i would take care of one i think i read books to clara and then jess took gwen and then we would switch uh the next night you know i would do gwen's bedtime and she would do clara's bedtime and then at a certain point, I was I was just like, this is ridiculous. We should we should just one parent should get the night off every night, and the other parent should be on for both kids. And we've done that ever since. And I mean, as soon as your kids are old enough that you can kind of read them the same book, um, you know, uh, and and often your older kids really can get by with the younger younger books. It's they don't mind as much as that you might think, but. Uh, but yeah, I found that made a big difference because now it's like, as you know, when planning these podcasts, it's like I'm on some nights and off some nights. Thing is, when we're on, there's a good chance that we lose a. It used to be that we would lose a big chunk of our night because we had to stay up until Gwen was asleep as well. But now we don't, uh, and and that was like I don't know. She stopped being scared. She was older, so now we can go downstairs and she'll still be up awake in her room. We hear her banging around or whatever. That's fine. Uh, but, and so we're in a good space, but we had, it's, it's, I think with sleeping kids, you end up in these good spaces and then you get setbacks, like things change with your kids, things change with you. And then it's, it's frustrating again, uh, or, and, and you're not getting the sleep you want. And let, let's face it, the women are almost always at the short end of the stick. Moms are almost always the ones that are getting woken up first and foremost, um, by the kids. And, and that's, you know, that's challenging because then they're tired in the morning for us. I am. I have to set my alarm now at seven, so that I wake up and can wake up everyone else. And um, if I don't set my alarm, and it's a weekday, our school school drop off school starts at eight a.m. So if we're not, we have from my alarm goes at seven, school drop off is at eight. That's an hour of craziness of waking up, getting going, all that sort of stuff. That's you know, uh, an hour of craziness, but. If school drop off, uh, if it's the weekend for some reason, the kids get up or er super early. I like I don't know what the thing is. If it's a weekday, I have to wake everyone up, and I'm like, wake up, wake up, wake up. But if it's the weekend, they're up great, right and early. It's like, oh, it's six thirty. I'm we're up. I'm like, why are you not up at six thirty on a weekday? I have to wake <laughs> it. I have to wake everybody up. And and the thing is, is that um. I, I will, you know, I'm not a morning person myself, so it's really challenging to wake the kids up. What's made it a little bit easier is Gwen, the oldest, now does not want to be late. She really doesn't want to be late. And that makes a big difference to the point that we let her walk to school by herself uh, for the first time last week or the week before because Clara was dogging it in the morning. And Gwen's like, you know, we live – 
three blocks from the school. She was like, can I just go? And we said, yes, go ahead. Like, just check in with that. Like, we want check in. Be sure. Uh, we When we dropped off Clara, uh, we asked, is Gwen here? She was. Everything was fine. But, like, she is motivated to be on time. So even if I wake her up now and she's just coming to and I'm like, if you don't wake up, we're going to be late. She's like, oh, she will, she will crank on the gas. And so it's made life a lot easier where Clara is kind of like, do, 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 you know, she almost gets pleasure out of kind of driving us nuts in the morning, but she sleeps pretty well. I'd say right now we're at a good sleep point. And when we're at a good sleep point, what that means for me, Crofton, is that often I will go to bed at 11 30 11 or midnight because my alarm i i have the gift of sleep like i will fall asleep the moment my head touches the pillow so it, that's great for me but it means that like if my alarm's going off at seven then i'm getting if i fall asleep at midnight i'm getting seven hours straight boom which is enough you know like that's a pretty good amount of time for me so i generally but like last night ryan i said you know, I stayed up too late playing Zelda, right? I was in the middle of, oh, I'm just going to finish the thing. And I lost track. I'm like, oh, shit, it's 12.15. So I went up, you know, brushed my teeth and all this, probably 12.30 when I fall asleep. And uh, and then, you know, like I just, I'm just i down to six and a half hours, which is uh, still half decent. But like I'm, you know, I can feel feel it like I'm already cutting it tight with my seven hours. And then, and then, so, so, uh, but I'm in a luxurious situation. I remember when I was a younger parent, it was, or like my kids were younger, it was bad sleep all the time. And I was not disciplined. I knew that I had to go to sleep, but it's your personal time. Like we talk about the dungeons. It's the time, like we're recording this podcast right now. Like I'm probably going to want to do something after this before I go to bed. Right. Like it's, it's like, it's discipline, but it's like you're cutting into your time like as well. Like you have to choose where you want to put put your time. And if I want to play my game or read my book or see my movie, that's gonna cut into the time that I would be sleeping, right? So it's challenging making that call. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And and as you said, it it obviously gets easier um as as the kids get older. And I always remember this conversation. <laughs> I had and it, and it's all also we have to remember it's about your mind at least my how my brain works it's all always about the the moment right where we're at right now like if you ask me about what sleep was like when we when the kids were much younger it's like I, it'd be hard for me to remember to the point where I had a conversation with with Ashley when um she was pregnant for Isabel she's like oh are you are you ready to to not have not sleep through the night anymore and I'm like oh god like how long does that last for? Cause like my, my brain hadn't thought of it because we, Abby and Caden were sleeping through the night and we were about to have Isabel. And she's like, yeah, like it takes two years. And I'm like, Oh my God, you're right. We aren't going to get, we aren't going to be able to sleep through the night for like two years. And of course there are those moments where like, Oh my, Oh man, they, they all slept through the night uh, when they're super young and that happened. But like, yeah, when your kids are, are brand new, you're, it's very rare that any parent, is is sleeping through the night and of course there are some babies that that do really well in the evening and and um and and that's always a an awesome benefit when when they kind of match your sleep schedule but there's also a reason that when you're a new parent the best advice is you sleep when they sleep you know and it can be tempting as you said to um to carve out some personal time when when the baby is is napping and you should totally do that but you also should, you know, know your body, listen to your to your to your body, and be like, okay, 
the baby's sleeping now. I'm going to go take a nap, <laughs> you know? And I think that was really good advice when I took parental leave and, and Ashley was on leave as well. And it was like, some naps, sure. Fit in some video game, watch a TV show, just relax, do some personal stuff. But other times, like, it's it's also a good idea to be like, okay, baby's napping, I'm napping. Let's both catch up on sleep. Um, and then, it obviously, is not something I, I deal with now. Like, even with naps, uh, you know, Isabel still naps, but, like, she doesn't nap at daycare. to the, Because she's she needs her nap, because she's usually a grump by the time uh, bedtime rolls around, or even dinner. But, like... If she's given the opportunity to skip a nap, she's usually fine right through till like dinner time, and then and then she starts to crash, and then she usually struggles to sleep that night too because she's overtired. But like, eventually your kids stop napping, and like, Caden and Abby won't nap unless they're sick. Like they absolutely refuse to nap even if they're tired. But if they're sick, they will they will uh, fall asleep on the couch while they're like having downtime. You know, you know they're sick when they nap. That's for sure. I, it, it is funny, though, because you're talking about napping, I, I, and I'm thinking about, like, this is a, a, a difference between my wife and I. I can nap, and she can't. Oh, yeah. And so so that 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 means that, like, and l- l- Ryan, I can literally, like, micro-nap. Like, I, she was like, don't fall. Like, I was, I'm to make supper uh, today, and it was like, I'm lying on the couch, and she's sitting in a chair in the living room, and the two girl, the two girls are just, like, just you know running to watch a show or something but like i have to make supper but there's something in the slow cooker and it, it's going to be ready at 5 15 to make supper and it's like it's 4 50 and she or 4 or something she's like don't don't go don't fall asleep and i was like huh why not and she's like because you're making supper tonight and i was like oh right and I'm like, but I can't make that till 5.15. She's like, yeah, but that's in like 18 minutes. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to set my alarm. Huh. <laughs> and, then I, and then I set my alarm and then immediately fell asleep. Uh, and and the alarm went off and I was like, oh, God. And honestly, I'm probably only doing this podcast with you tonight because of that 18-minute power nap, you know, like, or and probably it was more like 15 minutes. But it's just like that I'm, I am lucky that I can do that where she could like, she's like, I need a little break. And I'm like, sure, you need, I, she's like, I'm going to take a half hour. And I'm like, sure, go upstairs. I'll take the kids. Maybe you could have a nap. And she'll laugh. She's like, yeah, right. But, but, and she's, she won't. So if she gets into a sleep deficit situation, it's very, very difficult for her to climb out of it. Right. Whereas for me, it's easier. So that, that's one thing to, to, to bear in mind, like get a sense of as an adult, like you and your spouse's sleep, sleeping ability, because I mean, you may be able to, to, to find sleep in weird spots. Uh, but, but if, if one of you can't, well then that could be a really problem for them, you know? And yeah. then you got to account, you've got to account for it. Then you've got to be like, okay, you know, she's going to be really tired. So like this week, for instance, um, in the morning, as I said, Gwen is able to get up and she can get going. She dresses herself now. So she's all, all is good. So I really just have to get clear dressed. 
we're we're not both necessarily needed in the morning like Jess and I one of us can I'm the one that wakes everybody up but Jess does most of the work I get I get I have my shower while while she's getting clear Jess and all this and then I take the girls when I come under the shower I bring down their toothbrushes they brush their teeth and then we go essentially cuz we're going pretty quick in the morning but if I don't have a shower uh, I could just go down and do everything and then leave with them and she could sleep. And that's what uh, this week I realized she was in a sleep deficit. So I was like, oh shit, I'm, I'm going to, I'm not going to, I'm going to be like, you just keep sleeping because she wakes up a little bit and I'm going to do this stuff with the girls and, and take them in. And she knew she was in a sleep deficit. It was like, okay, you know, like good. Uh, and, and then, then drop, drop back off. And so that was great. That was something that, but it was, being aware of the situation a little bit too, you know, like normally she gets up easier. She was not getting up, right? Something was up. Yeah. And I mean, that's another part of sleep is like waking up. Like I, I can't remember the last time I slept in because when I'm, when I'm up in the morning, uh, I'm awake. Like I find it very hard to, to fall back asleep, you know, and, but sometimes I will be able to, but I find if I do, I, I it's a restless sleep and I just have like a weird dream or, or nightmare or something. And it's not, uh, it's not very, it's not very, it's not a pleasant sleep. There's no better feeling for me in the world than waking up and knowing that I can go back to sleep. Like that's, that's the best. <laughs> but I'm just like, like sometimes I'll wake up and I'll be like, Oh shit, there's light coming through the window. And I'm like, Oh no, it's time to get up. I'm so tired. And then I'll pick up my phone and I'll look and it'll be five 45 or something. And and again, our alarm goes at seven, and I'm like, oh, thank God, it's so good. And <laughs> yeah, then quarter I'll, to six then, is like, oh, I've got like maybe five minutes tops for me. Yeah, and and then I go, I go back to, and then I go back to sleep. Right, like it's just like, but Jess, if she wakes up even a little bit, it's it's over. Like she, like generally, she's she's not oh not entirely, but she's like she's likely it's going to be not a guarantee that she's going to be able to fall back to sleep. Right. So like, I'm not saying sleep is a skill. It's not like I trained to become an app sleeper, but I will say that, that like you can't, you know, you can help your kids become better sleepers, but the best thing you can do for yourself is do everything you can to support yourself in your sleep. If that's like getting a sleep apnea machine, if you have a sleep apnea, if that's working on a plan with your partner to figure out like where where you're better, like I'm better in the morning, I'm better in the evening, I'm like whatever, you know, like I can I can do this, I can do that. Like you're a team and figure out what the best team plan is for you both to get your your sleep. But Jess will call me sometimes on my bullshit in which that I deserve it because if I say see there's a great game that comes out and I spent three nights in a row staying up too late playing it and I'm tired and cranky and I'm short with people. You know, she's like, you know, I really think you need, should go to bed. She won't be like overly cr critical. So she'll just be like, I really think you seem tired. I think you should go to bed early tonight. And like, sometimes I need that. Like I need somebody to call me on my bullshit and be like, oh yeah, I've been, I am in a sleep deficit. I'm taking it out on other people. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll often recognize that. Okay. We've had some late evenings and we'll try to go to bed at like nine instead of Instead of 10, 30, 11. So, yeah, it, it, it's also important to kind of recognize, you know, what, what's what been going on. And, um, and and like I said, I've had this cold, so I've been trying to get into bed at a decent time most nights. So just to kind of 
And I was obviously the last one to get it, like everybody else had in the house. And of course, I'm the last one to. Uh, You're like, I, I, it's amazing. Everybody got it but me. I'm, yeah. oh no, what's going on? My I'm body's out, rejecting free. me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things. But I, I think, honestly, like we could, we could talk uh, about sleep uh, for. Well, until it's until it's actual bedtime. But as Crofton mentioned, you know, you want to get more tears in, right? It is it is a loaded topic, but this is the thing about sleep. It, it is it is very much um, one of those things where like you could come at it different ways depending on the age of the, your kids, depending on your background, and all of that. So I am curious, you know, what listeners uh, want to hear or what their experiences are about sleep. Are we omitting something very basic is there something like that that uh, work for you to sort of get balance in your life because if you're looking for balance sleep balance sleep is one of those core things that you need so how do you figure that out right and and so i mean we touched on a lot of different things but it's based primarily on ryan and my personal experience so like are you at a different place do you have a newborn are you going through hell let us know what's working what's not working feels like everybody I know who does have a newborn. It's like, oh, they sleep so great. Everybody blew it out of proportion. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. Um, what, you lucky bastard. And then two weeks later, they'll be like, there's a regression, you know. Uh, but yeah, share uh, share share your feedback with us, Ryan. Uh, maybe you should do the business and tell them where they can do that. Of course. Well, you know, you can visit our website, tgistudios.com slash dad, where you can find all of our past episodes, as well as links like our email, you can email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. Let us know about um, your sleep schedule. As Crofton said, are we missing something? Of course, we only we have our experiences, but uh, we want to hear about your experiences. So we look forward to that feedback, and we'll touch on it in the next episode. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me at R. Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and the show at DNDCast. And because we're doing more topics and such and looking for feedback, we'll, uh, we'll, I'm going to set a reminder to actually remember to tweet, uh, during our off week to, to get more, uh, feedback. And, um, I also wanted to start incorporating sort of a preview because we're doing set topics. We can kind of give you an idea of what to expect in the near future. Like for example, our rescheduled, uh, screen time episode. So if you have thoughts on, uh, sleep schedules as well as screen time, let us know. You can put them in the same email and we can touch on those in our various sections. Other topics include parental controls. Internet came up. Uh, you know, we're uh, we're just hitting all the all the big topics. I'm sure there'll be plenty more to come. And of course, this is episode 98. So, um, you know, episode 100, big milestone. Well, we got to think about what we're going to do with that. <laughs> so Croft and I uh, will have to come up with some ideas. Or you could send us ideas. This is probably our only chance to solicit ideas before uh, second last chance, I suppose. There is always episode ninety nine, right? Well, I don't know because by the time that's published, (laughs) I I would say get in early with your ideas before I come in with some sort of amazing idea that takes all the room. Beat Crofton Uh, to the punch. Beat me to the punch. Yeah. Well, there you go. (laughs) So if you have an episode idea, or sorry, if you have an idea for episode one hundred. Let us know, uh, and we would love to hear your feedback. Even if it's your favorite moments uh, of Dungeons and Diapers, that's that's a good one too. I'm sure you could think of a couple of uh, quick hits that keep coming up. 
But uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Dungeons and Diapers. Uh, we hope everyone has a great couple weeks, and we'll see you soon. Bye, everybody. Ryan, do you think I will have done stand-up by next time we record? Here's a spoiler. No. No. But we'll have that sweet bumper. <laughs>